years, Kansas declined to include children with brain injuries and some adults with comparable problems in the state's Medicaid program. Finally, in 2019, with federal government prodding, Kansas expanded coverage to these vulnerable populations. With telehealth and work of the state's three CanCare contractors, rehabilitation services have been made available to these individuals statewide. Here's the problem. The governor's budget didn't include the $8 million needed to finance the brain injury program as intended. A state agency appears willing to create a waiting list for everyone needing rehab for brain injuries in Kansas. Why is this happening? Here to answer the question is Janet Williams, founder of Minds Matter, the state's largest provider of services to people with brain injuries. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to be here. So what we're going to have to do is go back and uh, explain a bit of legislative history. There was a pre-2019 when the state operated from a certain uh, set of boundaries in terms of brain injury services through Medicaid, and then there was a post-2019. And by explaining that, I think we can then jump to what the real crisis is right now. So Janet, take a crack at explaining the before and after, if you will. Sure. So for the last, for, well, for 28 years, Kansas provided in-home rehab services, which included physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, attendant care to people with a traumatic brain injury, car wreck, motorcycle, gunshot wound. And every year we'd go to the legislature and say, hey, someone with a stroke needs the same services as someone who was hit in the head by a baseball bat. And every year the legislature would say, yes, we agree, we're not ready to make that change. In 2019, they decided they would make that change. And not only would they make it for adults, they would add children because there are a number of children who need this. Shaken baby syndrome, car wrecks, bike wrecks, and kids have strokes. And in this pre-era, people under 18 were basically not eligible, correct? Exactly, exactly. Okay. They could not get what they needed, so they would go on the IDD waiting list, or a parent would have to give up a job to stay home, or if the family was fortunate enough to have really, really, really good insurance, they could fight for the therapy that their kids needed. Okay. So that was the, that's, continue with your explanation of the pre-2019 if you want. Sure. So um, the beauty of this waiver, no matter who uses it, is people go off this waiver. The average amount of time is 1.9 years, and people go back to work, they require fewer services. When they're done with this waiver, they're either independent or they may use the physical disability waiver, but at a far lower cost to the state of Kansas. And when you say people go off it, they might need occupational, physical, speech, behavioral therapies. That's, to get that's there. what's offered, to get to this point, to, to move themselves so they could be live a more independent life. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so changing it to acquire brain injury, everybody was very, very excited about that. Um, they didn't need to add more money because they weren't finding enough people with traumatic brain injuries to use what they had in the budget. They did know they were going to need more money at some point, but did not put any money in in 2019. So for the people that uh, had acquired brain injury from strokes or tumors or what have you, they were added to the list of people who, through Medicaid, could get these kinds of therapeutic supports. And the, the state expanded the opportunity to, to kids. Exactly. And so the adults 
many of the referrals for adults have come from nursing homes because someone who's 35 has been sitting there for years having a stroke, but they couldn't get out before because they didn't have a traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. And we would say things like, did they ever fall and hit their head? Is there any way you can, you know, can you look through the history and see if there was ever a traumatic brain injury? That's the only way we could get people. It's like a definitional black hole that I, it's really hard to understand why it wasn't just sweepingly included. Right. And so when it was, we were very excited and referrals have absolutely gone up. At the same time, we have CanCare and the MCOs and the federal government noticed there are no services in Wichita, literally no services in Wichita for anyone with a brain injury, traumatic or acquired, and none in Hayes and Great Bend and Manhattan. And so CMS said to the state, you got to fix that. CMS is the feds. CMS is the feds. The feds came in and said, you got to fix it. So last November, November of 19, after the definition was changed, we opened an office in Wichita. Wichita is the largest metropolitan area in Kansas. So of course there were going to be a lot of people with brain injuries there. KDADS, the state agency, went after a federal grant to expand services in Wichita. There was a complete acknowledgement that there there were no services there. So that has taken off. We've added kids, we've added acquired, we've gone statewide. Everybody knew this was coming. So we were really taken aback when we found out they were talking about a waiting list. So what was the, how much of a surge was there when the definition changed? I would say we had about 15 referrals a month before this, mm-hmm. and now we're getting 30. So it doubled. Okay. So the, expand, the numbers of people eligible for this uh, Medicaid-funded service which is Medicaid's funded uh, mostly by the federal government, but partly by the state. And, uh, but then also COVID had an impact on this too. Just briefly explain what happened there. Yes, as I said, that people go off this waiver. One of the things that happened during COVID is state filed something with the feds called Appendix K, which every state filed that people could not be forced off this waiver. I think there's been some misunderstanding, but people are not going off this waiver at the rate they did prior to COVID. And so it is much, much harder for people to go off, which also means there are more people on the waiver that they need to. That can be fixed with a policy change. So the numbers of people expanded when the definition changed. And, and we have this, this COVID issue, which has got people hung up on the waiver, perhaps longer than normally would be on it. And now we have this funding issue in which the Governor Laura Kelly's budget, which can be changed by the Kansas legislature, does not include the $8 million needed to push services to all of the people that now qualify, correct? Yes, and but it also excludes anyone with a traumatic brain injury. Oh, does it? Nobody can get on this program if there's a waiting list. Right, so, so because there's no money, that led to talk of a waiting list for all these individuals. Yes. And so who would be on the waiting list? Everybody? Children, adults, traumatic brain injury, acquired brain injury, Everybody. So it's everybody. Across, everybody who might have participated in this Medicaid program across the board is going to be shuffled to a waiting list because there isn't the financial capacity to deal with them. Correct. All right. So just generally, uh, what is the consequence of that? Well, we received 97 referrals last year from hospitals, KU, Stormont, Via Christi. That's just us. That's how many people want to come home. Where do they go now? 
And we're talking people with traumatic brain injuries, acquired brain injuries, children, adults, where do they go? I'm pretty sure the last place any of us want to be right now is in a nursing home. Right. So that would be one option is to go to a nursing home and sit there and would the services could they be funneled to a nursing home? No. No. So then the other option is... You can only get these services at home. There is a brain okay. injury rehab facility, but that is time limited. Where okay. do they go from there? Okay, so they go home and uh, they'd be under the loving care of their family, but uh, not everybody is a physical therapist or occupational therapist or cognitive therapist, what have you. And so they would be uh, mm, just on idle there. Correct. So in limbo and not progressing, perhaps. Correct. All right. Maybe to help understand a little bit better the, the sense of, of all of this is if you could just personalize this issue for us and talk about some of the people you know of, even if the people were kind of a collective representation sure. due to privacy issues, but just kind of personalize this as to what it could mean. Yeah. So three different people. One, 18-year-old goes on black ice in his Jeep, it flips, he has a massive brain injury. He goes to the traumatic brain injury rehab facility, he gets more rehab, he comes home. He can't come home now. So you've got an 18 year old with nowhere to go. Mom can't take him home, she has to work, she's a single mom, and he needs lots and lots of care. Not only does this provide rehabilitation, it provides equipment. So he's gonna need a specialized wheelchair. He's gonna need um, you know, equipment for his trach and his feeding tube to be able to come home. And where does he go? And the other piece of this is there are no nursing homes in Kansas taking people with trachs and feeding tubes for an 18-year-old. Where are they going to go? So there's no nursing home in Kansas that would take your 18-year-old example. Right. Right. Uh, we recently... What kind of... Okay, so let's just walk in the shoes of the mother here. What kind of despair does she feel? She's desperate at this point. Um, and this actual mother who I know moved to a more urban area so that she would be able to hire the attendant care workers she needed. She was mm -hmm. in a rural area. She knew she wouldn't be able to get anyone to come out and help her. If he got stuck in the nursing home, you know, she's in a rural area. Mm -hmm. Where is he? Well, it's not clear that she could visit him at a nursing home. Exactly. Especially now. Right. In and in the, you know, when he was in a nursing home, you know, they're going to need help suctioning him. They're going to need help turning him. They're going to need help with all of that. And if she does decide to take him home, she has to go in and learn how to do those things anyway. She can't do that. Mm -hmm. She's stuck. So for the home caregivers, there's an a learning curve too. Correct. A quick point to make here. Uh, if, if you were receiving these services at a hospital, what would be the daily cost of that? Just ballpark it. And what's the daily cost of the uh, brain injury services through Medicaid in a, in a residential living arrangement? In an acute care hospital like KU Rehab, I would say it's $1,500 a day to $2,000 a day to get the rehab that you need and the medical care that you need there. There is something called a brain injury rehab facility in Kansas. It's kind of a step down, $780 a day. The brain injury waiver is $99 a day at home. <laughs> With all of these services, 24-hour care, with therapists, with, you know, all of the care that you need. And so, you know, it's just kind of penny-wise and person-foolish, if you ask me, because where are they going to go? 
Um, I got a call yesterday from a woman in Western Kansas, 26 years old. She had a stroke. She's in a nursing home. Her grandmother has been helping her. She just found out she can get on this waiver because she didn't know it included stroke because for 28 years it didn't, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody out there knew. Somebody figured it out. Someone told her. She got in touch with me. She's 26 years old. She and her grandmother somehow figured out to apply for housing. Well, she's got housing coming in June. There's a waiting list in May. She can't leave the nursing home and she has to call housing, which is income-based, and say, sorry, those lists are usually years long. So this, this cherished housing that would accommodate somebody with a disability is going to vaporize because she can't hire the bureaucracy. To help her. She can't get out of the nursing home. Correct. <clears throat> Correct. Good yes, Lord. Also got a phone call from single mom. She has a 14 year old hit by a car on his bike. She was going for outpatient. He's been going for outpatient rehab. He's done with that. He was there all day at their day program, which is fantastic, but it's time limited. He's coming home. She's going to lose her job if he comes home and she doesn't have help. Mm -hmm. And then she'll lose her housing and then they'll both be homeless. So the domino effect of this is really, really dramatic. So let's take the example of the 14-year-old. If this program was fully funded, what might that mother who doesn't want to lose her job and wants to care well for her 14-year-old son hit by a car what might be offered to that individual? So he would get one-to-one attendant care. He could hire a relative or she could hire a relative to help him during the day at about, oh, probably $10 an hour. So it's not like mom could give up her job and do that because we don't allow that. And that just wouldn't be enough, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And um, he would get physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. Does that come to the house or does he All need to go comes to, to the house. Okay. Um, speech therapy, cognitive therapy, and behavioral therapy, all based on what he needs. Mm -hmm. You know, of, you know, somebody, of what he somebody needs. might need three elements of that exactly. and not the other two. And, yeah. You know, it's, so it's kind of a customized program. Right. It is customized. I'm sure there's an exactly analysis that. up front. But, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lots of assessments. How many people are we really talking about here that could conceivably, who are receiving services now or should be added. What are we talking about? 8,000 people in Kansas? 3,000? Do you know? You know, it's usually 200 per 100,000 each year, but not all of them need this level of service. Not mm -hmm. all would qualify for Medicaid. Not all are going to need disability. This truly is the people with the most significant injuries or people who've gotten lost in the system. Here's another interesting story. We open up in Wichita. We get a referral for a man and someone said, oh, have you heard his story? So I Google it. He was homeless. He fell asleep in a dumpster in like a commercial. It's the first of its kind in the country. Okay. And it's won awards. You know, it's been published. It's been, we've done research that's been published. We've been invited to conferences to talk about it. Can if you talk to anyone in brain injury and you mention Kansas, they're like, oh, we want to be like Kansas. We're not cutting edge on much. Right. Here in Kansas. Well, here's here's my funny story. So I am from Boston, as I mentioned to you. And there's this group out of Harvard doing all this research. And a friend of mine was on the principal investigator saying, you got to talk to her. You got to talk to her. And we're sitting talking over Zoom. And he's not really paying attention. And then I start getting into what we do. He's like, wait a minute. Therapists go to the home. They're not in group homes. He's like, and he goes, mm we don't even do that in Boston. And I just started laughing. I said, 
Why do you think I moved to Kansas? Yeah, right. Yeah, okay, okay. So um, now I think we understand the history a little bit. I think we understand the immediate problem that's, that's developing here. Um, so let's just pretend instead of having uh, 125 state representatives, 40 state senators, and a governor, uh, pretend that you can be the dictator of brain injury <laughs> care. And um, so what, what would be a legitimate fix for this? Mm-hmm. I think there are several things. One, we, we do need to look at the policies on this program and see, can it be tightened up places? You know, mm-hmm. are there other places to get things? We try that all the time, but I think we need to get in a room and be innovative about that. So no doubt about it. And we need the money. We need to make really be clear that when you don't get this service, it costs more. It costs a lot more. And you don't know where people are going to end up. You could go through the program and look for efficiencies, but is the is the nut here? You just you just come up with the eight million. Yeah, that's the nut. Absolutely. Find the eight million. Find the eight million because we've saved it in other places. There was someone at KU 118 days. They couldn't find a nursing home for him. Nobody would take him. He's home with his mother right now. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the big. They're big things that happen. The lack of the eight million up front, indirectly, the state of Kansas as a whole will end up paying more than eight million a year in terms of ramification costs. Correct. And so this this eight million is really the answer. And it turns into twenty one million because you've got a federal match. Yeah, explain that, please. I, I mentioned it was a joint program. Medicaid, yeah. So but- I don't know what the exact split is right now, but. That's how you draw down money from the federal government, is the mm-hmm. state puts in a small amount, the feds give a lot more. and More than double. More than double. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's critical for new money to be able to draw down federal money. I would think there would be some legislative support for that kind of initiative, not only because the legislature in 2019 adopted this expanded exactly. definition, uh, but they kind of like the idea of spending a little to draw down a lot from the federal government. That that seems to get traction sometimes. That's exactly right. Okay. Um, and, so you know, you, people you... will say to me, well, we shouldn't have changed the definition. And I say, but we did. <laughs> but we did. We can't go back now. I would I would think this, this waiver thing is essentially a surrender. Correct. It sounds like a surrender to me. Yeah. Uh, surrender to some sort of financial reality. Mm-hmm. Do you have optimism that the legislature will find the cash or at least some of the cash? I have optimism that people will do the right thing. I am a policy person. The politics of it are challenging, but the policy piece is how can you look at this and not see that people need this? Mm -hmm. People say to me all the time, what do you do? I tell them and they say, I've never heard of you. And I say, good, (laughs) because that means you don't have someone in your family who's been through this kind of tragedy. Brain injury can affect anyone at any time. It can affect you if you fall on the ice when you go outside, mm-hmm. and it can affect you out on I-70. It can affect you on the baseball field if you get hit in the head with a baseball. We've seen it all. It happens. Nobody has the money, personally, to be able to afford this. Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps we get in on a, on a positive note. Can you relate to us um, just a bit about somebody who you've worked with uh, 
in the past who returned to work. Can oh, you, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, could you so, please do that? I think of Mary. Mary was um, in college at Pittsburgh State. She was a junior. She went to visit some friends in Spain over, you know, they were on their junior year in Spain. She decided to go there for spring break. She was taking pictures. She fell out of a window, three floors, mm. massive brain injury. Comes back. Her parents have to go there, and they just tell stories about they didn't know Spanish. Nobody in the hospital knew English. It was three months in a hospital in Spain. Finally had her life flighted back through lots of donations, lots of help from other people. She had, um, she still, uh, I, I forget what her initial insurance was, but she went up to Nebraska because that's where a lot of people go for rehab, right? And while she was up there, she easily qualified for Medicaid, came home to her own house in Kansas. Her parents used some of the donations to buy a house so that they wouldn't have to be on a housing waiting list. They move in with, you know, the mom moves in with her and is there helping her. Mom's not getting paid. She is now driving. She is now working. She is now um, going back to Pitt State nine years later. Nine years later. She's not been on the waiver nine years, but it took nine years. She had been on a full track scholarship and so she was in excellent shape when this all happened but it has been a road for her if they only use their private insurance she would have been maybe a year of rehab six months depending on your insurance and then she would be completely dependent for everything it took her two and a half years to learn to walk so sustained help is, right. is an absolute issue and plugging in a program and unplugging it a short time later and maybe plugging it in again in the future. Doesn't help. Sounds chaotic. It is. This has been another episode of the Kansas Reflector podcast. Today's episode was hosted by Tim Carpenter and produced by myself, Paul Tawarda. We'll be back next week with another episode featuring former Lieutenant Governor, now State Treasurer, Lynn Rogers, Until then, thanks for listening.